Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. God of the universe can go by many totals. God is, um, God is the, the one who spoke the stars into existence. And he could go, uh, he could self-identify, since he's the one who speaks identity to us, he could, he could um, self-identify as the great creator or, or, or many things. But one of the, the ways God identifies himself to us is through the relational language of he is our father. He's our Father in the Scriptures as we, as we open them and say, God, speak to me. Who are you? Speak to me. Uh, he starts to identify himself as our Father. And he's a loving Father, not a Father that's standoffish in any way. He's a Father that draws close. He's a Father that speaks to us. You know, the, the, the God is conspicuous in the, in the language that, he, uh, that, that sort of describes him. The Father is the Father of the Son. The Son is the Son of the Father. The Spirit is the Spirit of the Son and the Father. They are relational in the language that they use to identify their relationship with one another. Our God is a relational God. And when He starts to encourage us into relationship, as He starts to transcend anything that would try and come between us and Him, uh, he, he, He invites us to come and be a part of the very relationship that is within the Godhead itself. Listen to this. Jesus prayed this most amazing prayer the night before he goes uh, to be on the cross. And it's one of the most powerful prayers you could ever read. This is what it says in John chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus is praying and he says, and these are, this, this is a prayer, a prayer for the ages, a prayer for us today. He says, I do not pray for these alone, speaking of the disciples that were around him but also those who will believe in me through their word. That's us. Those that will believe in me through their word. That's us. So Jesus is praying for us that they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me, that that there's a not far from us being pushed away from God and God wants to remain aloof. He's the God that is embracive. He's a God that encourages. There's a yes in God's heart towards us that invites us to be in close and loving relationship with Him. We know that the Father is the originator of of, the Father is the originator within the Godhead that from Him comes everything that is good. The Bible says in the book of James chapter 1, every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Every, everything good has its origin in the Father. And that the Son is like, He is the definition of God. He is the image. He is the one we are told to worship and, and look to and look upon. And to see his beauty, to see his magnificence. He is the one that is the, the word, that he that gives definition to God. And the spirit is that which issues from the Father through the Son to us. He's the one that we engage. He's the one we are filled with. The Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. But more importantly, there's a yes in God's heart 
towards each and every one of us today. When I was 27 years old, I received a phone call at the church that I was employed at. So I've been employed now as a pastor for some 20-something years. But this phone call was probably the most impactful ever in my entire life. I remember I was about to go into a staff meeting, but I took the call on the fly after it was patched through to me from the front receptionist. And the gentleman on the other end of the line introduced himself and I immediately recognised the name as being that of my father, my natural father, a man I'd never actually met but was aware of through my life by people with whom we had occasional common connection. So growing up prior to 27, I didn't have a fresh and blood father in my life who was able to model to me Father God's overwhelming, unconditional yes of favour that was absent from my life. And I'm aware today, not only for many people is there an absence of that godly father, but sometimes more tragically even, that the father they have does not fully functionally communicate God's big yes towards them. Growing up, I had a godly mother who realised that I would grow up without a natural father being around and she would pray and ask the Lord to father me in a way that the Scriptures speak of in Psalm 68 verse 5 when it says, A father to the fatherless is God in his holy habitation. So from my youngest years, my mom encouraged me to approach God as my heavenly father. And as I did so, I found that rather than being dismissed or pushed away by God, I found myself embraced and affirmed as I pressed into his fathering presence in my life. I found that God every day would father me through the presence of the Holy Spirit, that as I worshipped him often for hours at a time, because my mom introduced me to God at a very young age, that he would... uh, He would open opportunity for me in life that I'd feel his providential hand upon. And that within the church, God would provide often strong male role models and mentors that would actively speak God's shaping into my life. That the house of God was active as God sought to father me. Concurrently, there was another reality. My mom would seek to teach me the way that the world worked. The way that the world worked. That I needed to be respectful have good manners, and present well. And as I grew up, I started to make my way in life on my own. I learned that if one sought to work harder than everyone else and to achieve more than people's expectations of you, they would think you were a stand-up guy. I found that by seeking to contribute more than I owed and setting myself to endeavour, it had an impact on people that they liked having me around within spaces that seemed to be desirable to be in. Spaces that contained opportunity for success. So without knowing it, I became very driven in my life. Driven to succeed, driven to affect people's opinion of me through how I acted. And with a mentality of working hard for approval. But the thing that maybe I want to caution against is, you know, over time that bled then into how I approached my heavenly father that this drivenness and overemphasis on attempting to control of what people thought of me that would continue to my early 20s and 30s actually affected my relationship with God because I thought that's how God saw me. It affected this drivenness, really affected all of my relationships. It affected my marriage. It affected uh, my relationship with the Lord. And it took years and years and years and years and maybe even still going on 
for God to break it down through his unconditional love and acceptance of my life. You know, a few moments ago, I described that God has this unconditional yes towards us. But my biggest insight into God's heart of yes would have to be the day my firstborn son, Boaz, was born. I have a little video here from when he was 20 uh, minutes old. I, I, I don't know if we can show that. There he is. Oh, look at him. Look at him. He's all wrinkled. Oh, he's well cooked. Covered in blood and guts. There you go. That's my son. And I remember they handed this little bundle of flesh to me and I'm holding him and I'm like, oh, but you know what? There was this something that happened in me and I was aware. You, you, you can kill it now. Not, not the baby, not the baby, just the video. You know, as I held this little, little bundle of flesh, I was, just became aware that, oh, there was a yes in my heart towards this little child, this little baby, not on the basis of anything other than he was my child, my son, my firstborn. And there was like a yes, and I was conscious that it was God's yes through me to this child. I was like, oh, and you know, this child had never done anything particularly fancy. It hadn't really been an amazing athlete yet or done, done a really good job on a maths assignment. But this child had my unconditional yes just because it was my child, not on the basis of anything it had done. And I suddenly had the realisation and God really did something in my heart in this moment of saying, Seth, that's how I am with you. That's how I am with my children. My sons and daughters across the earth, it's not on the basis of their performance that I give them favour, that my yes is towards them. It's just because they're my children. That He loves us the same on our best day. He loves us the same on our worst day. We have God's unconditional yes of favour. His smile is towards our life. Not on the basis of our performance, but on the basis of Jesus' performance. That the same way God the Father feels about His Son, Jesus. The same sense of yes God the Father has towards His Son, Jesus, is the same sense of yes He has towards you and I. Not on the basis of how good we were this week. Not on the basis of how bad we were this week. But rather God's yes is towards us unconditionally. And as, as I held my firstborn little son there, I, I became aware that, oh, all this, uh, this performing, although we understand the way the world works, we understand that, uh, that there's many principles of Scripture that apply to how uh, we conduct ourselves. When it comes to our relationship with God, there's nothing we can really do or say that makes us more acceptable to Him other than what Jesus has already done. What Jesus has already done. You know, I've got another little photo here uh, that I'd like to show you of my son. Uh, it's not one you're probably expecting, but let's... Uh, oh, look at his foot. Look at his foot. Check out the big toe. Check out that big toe. Oh, my goodness. Is that not an amazing big toe? That toe's something else. That toe's a marvel. That toe's going to go places. You know, maybe we have things about us that doesn't conform to what other people think is normal. 
or acceptable. Maybe you've got one heck of a big toe. (laughs) Maybe our uniqueness isn't always celebrated by those around us. Maybe the pressure to conform to other people's agenda for what makes them feel comfortable is all-consuming. Maybe people have accusation about our human failings that leave us feeling unsafe and not secure. But here's the thing. Put that big toe up there again. (laughs) Check out his big toe. Do you know why that's so awesome? Check out my big toe. He's got his dad's big toe. His toe, that's, that's my big toe. All right, now you have to talk amongst yourself. I get my shoe back. Hang on, hang on. You know, there's something about you, the enemy of your souls can't handle. You carry the resemblance of your heavenly father. When he sees you, he sees God. He sees God in you. Your very DNA is as a description, as an articulation of his glory. Like there's something about every, every last person here. The Bible says the very hairs of your head are numbered that God knows. The very fine details of your life. There is nothing here that God doesn't think is spectacular. The very frame that you carry, God articulated before you were even born. God knows us entirely. You know, people can make statements that display lack of value to me about my son. My son has autism. So sometimes when he's at school, man, there's a parade of teachers there to tell me all about my son, but it doesn't matter. He's got my big toe. (laughs) He's got my big toe. They can say what they want, but at the end of the day, he's got my big toe and that's how God is with me. There's an accuser that stands before God. He wants to accuse you. He wants to condemn you. But God just says, he's got my big toe. She's got my big toe. At the end of the day, he is my son. There's something about us made in God's image. It's pretty amazing. One more photo for you. It's a photo of my son sleeping. You know, my son having autism from a young age, he would run and run and run to engage. Actually came out of the ministry for three years to just focus on engagement with my child. He went from seeing me to completely not seeing me. He was within a bubble. And to gain, he couldn't look at me in the eye. It was such a stimulatory rush that he could not, no longer look at me and engage me in any way. And... For three years, I got on the floor with my child and one engagement as the neurology of my son would normally typically kick in automatically. We had to manually, through, through therapy, see those, those markers achieved as part of uh, my son's development. But you know what I learned was that uh, my child come bedtime would start to slow down and there'd be this amazing opportunity where I'd hold my, my son's hand and uh, my, my son would 
just start to, I could feel him to start to unwind. And often because even as a four and five-year-old, he didn't have language yet. Now I can't stop my child from talking. He just talks nonstop. <laughs> but back then, he didn't have language kicking in. And so for me, I found myself in the situation of, uh, he, he was all tense. It was like he was all in knots because there were bits, he were frustrations. He just couldn't get words out. But I found the presence of God, of his heavenly father, would minister through me. His heavenly father had his back. His, his heavenly father would minister to him. And as, as I would put my hand upon him, I'd pray a blessing upon his life. You know, before God did anything, he blessed creation. Before mankind, had, uh, before humankind had done anything, God, God, God blessed. And, and so it is. Psalm 139, an incredible scripture. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thoughts are far off. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You have hedged me behind and before. I like to call that God tucks us in. God, you've hedged me behind and before. God, God is the one and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I can't attain it. Our God is not a God that stands afar off. Our God is one that comes and puts his hand upon our life in a way that declares blessing. The blessing of your heavenly father is upon your life once you're, when you, and, and as such, you know, as, as my child would be there, I would declare blessing. And I would declare the, the plans and the purposes of God. My son's name is Boaz Benjamin Clarence Brooks. God gave us his name before he was born. Every name is a promise. And even though the doctors have said at different times or the therapists have said at different times such things that would possibly want to interfere with God's plan, we had in those moments something that we could declare of our, of our child's life that was straight from God himself. And so every night we would declare, you are Boaz, Benjamin, Clarence, Brooks. Boaz, like Boaz in the Bible, so you will be Benjamin, son of my right hand. You'll always know the right hand of your heavenly father. Clarence, clear, luminescent, not hidden over, but one that shines for Christ. And these things we declared. And so it is with God in our lives. He's not a God that stands afar off. You know, sometimes the very scope of the universe can make us sometimes feel so small and insignificant. The myriad of galaxies... The largeness of the cosmos can at times make us feel so insignificant. But there's something that dwarfs even that magnitude of the macro. And that is God's thoughts for us and care and love for us dwarfs even this. That God's thoughts for you are more than the sand. That even if a mother was to forget her baby or a woman, the child within her womb, the Scriptures tell us, God would never forget us. That there is a loving Heavenly Father that is with us every day of the journey. As we close our eyes, bow our heads this morning. Sometimes as we learn to conduct ourselves in places of the marketplace. It's good to know that we have a heavenly Father that loves us. And even if in our own world, we don't have a heavenly Father, a natural Father that necessarily articulates 
that unconditional yes of God. God will find ways of getting that to us. And for every father here, oh, what a powerful place we have to communicate God's heart. We can be the fresh start that our children need with respect to the generation, generational lineage of, of fathering. But you know, God is not one who stands afar off. He is with us. And when we stand in the places that God puts us in, we stand as a son, we stand as a daughter of God. If you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and your Saviour, the Bible says that 2,000 years ago, Jesus took upon Himself everything that disqualifies us from being able to be called son or daughter of God. Perhaps you're spending your life just being the best you you can be, but the Scriptures actually encourage us to do something else. They say, no, lay down your life. Lay down your life. Lay down your rights. Lay down your identity and take on the life, the rights and the identity of Jesus. And rather than living out your life, live His life out through your life. This is called receiving Him as your Saviour. That Jesus took upon Himself the punishment for anything, for every selfishness, for every sin, for everything that keeps us from Him. He took it upon Himself as punishment. And the Bible says, how do we respond to this wonderful gift that He offers freely? The receiving of this payment. He says that we should lay down our life, our rights, our identity and forever live following Him in relationship with Him. It's called making Him our Lord. If you're here today, maybe you've just been living life for yourself or maybe you've walked away from this reality of living as a son, a daughter of God, but you would like today to, 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 to establish clearly in your heart and have that sense of, I am a son, a daughter of God. If that's you here today, I want you to raise your hand and say, God, that's me. I've been walking independently of you, but today you are my father. I walk as a son, a daughter of God. See that hand. Would you pray this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, all together, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross as full and complete payment for everything that keeps me from you. Thank you for dying and taking upon yourself all my selfishness, all my sin, my worst moments, my best moments, you paid the price for it all. Today I make you my saviour. I lay down my life. I lay down my rights. I lay down my identity. And in return, I receive your life. I receive your rights. I receive your identity. From this day forward, I'm a child of the Most High God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you, Kalos Church. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.church. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.